You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Rural Advancement Podcast. This is the podcast that is not only designed uh, for rural leaders, but it is also spoken by rural leaders. Our goal is to bring you content and information that doesn't just speak to your context, but is spoken by people who get it, who have lived there, who have lived in those places, who have ministered in small towns and out-of-the-way places doing God's work. I am your host, Joe Epley. And today we are starting a new series. Um, we decided that it would be really fun because, again, looking at the landscape of r- rural America, um, we definitely see that in a small town, there's not always situations where everybody gets to, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it, get paid, right? To do ministry, right? There's a ton of pastors, lead pastors, associates, youth pastors, however you want to define it, who find themselves bivocational, working a job and then trying to run a church or help out at a church on top of that. And, uh, and it's definitely a different way to do ministry. And so we want to honor that and want to kind of speak into that context because there are those who have done it and done it successfully for the long term. And that's, uh, really exciting to find those, those people and those resources and then bring them to the attention of other rural leaders. Uh, today we have on this podcast a personal friend of mine, Garrett Fryer. Um, Garrett, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. It is a beautiful, uh, I suppose it's going to air later, but right now it's a beautiful, crisp 40 <laughs> degrees out and it's uh, sunshine and it's a beautiful fall day in North Dakota. Yeah, I guarantee that uh, from the time of recording, which is oh, what, early October and the time of air is probably going to be a month later. And I, who knows how many inches of snow will be on the ground in hopefully, November. Hopefully it'll still be a beautiful, crisp 40 degree. Hopefully. <laughs> so I'm praying for it. So I'm praying for it. I love that. Well, hey, uh, Garrett, uh, I didn't take too much time to, to talk about what you've done because I want our listeners to hear it from you. But uh, when we bring voices on this podcast, we want to uh, just highlight kind of your connection to the rural church. So would you mind giving us some background on, yeah, your connection to, to rural America? Certainly. I mean, I was born and bred rural in Bowman, North Dakota, the southwest corner of the state. Um, and so all I ever knew was rural. And then I went to college in Allendale, North Dakota, which was probably even more rural, not as much country or cowboy, <laughs> but certainly, certainly just as rural. Uh, and then I took a, a church in a metropolis of a youth ministry position, not just a church, a youth ministry position <laughs> uh, in the metropolis of Osnabrück, North Dakota, town of maybe 200 uh, if the restaurant's open and people are there. Maybe uh, 200. It's maybe, that maybe small? It was that small. This, it was, it, this is quintessential rural. They would give the key to the grocery store to people and you could just come in and get what you want and write down what you took and then pay later. You've got to be kidding me. We were never we were never fully brought into the community at that level, but that's how they that's how that they is operate. so good. That is so <laughs> rural. Gosh, rural. I love don't that. get any more rural than that. So yeah, went to Trinity, graduated. My wife and I took youth pastor position up in, in Osnabrück, North Dakota. All I ever wanted growing up as a youth minister, called into youth ministry was to be a youth pastor in Podunk, North Dakota. And it happened in Osnabrück, North Dakota. I I remember a student was helping us move in and he asked me, he goes, is it just a stepping stone to something bigger and better? And I looked at him in all seriousness and I said, what's bigger and better than Osnabrück, North Dakota? Oh my gosh. I, I I told other youth pastors at our first event, I was like, I've arrived. Like I am here. <laughs> I have arrived. Like God was fulfilling every dream and desire. And 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 I don't know why that was ever placed in my heart. Uh, right. But really it was. And I was wanting to be obedient to it. And I 
I seriously was like, man, I got the best job in the world. I, I moved into Osnabrück. They had a place for us to live. Uh, they would pay uh, basic utilities and maybe money if people gave it to us every month. Nice. I was I was living. Maybe money was, is my living, favorite kind of money. Living large. Yeah, it was like maybe if somebody gives you money each month, you'll have some. And so that was, I mean, it was rural through and through. And I, and we, but we walked into a youth ministry of 20 plus kids. Wow. That's super fun. So like that was, that was, that was really the draw. It wasn't, it wasn't the town of 200 people. Sure. Sure. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't the facility. It wasn't, I mean, it was, it was rural and it was students were desperate and passionate and hungry for Christ. And we recognized it um, and just jumped into an incredible space. Awesome. So we, we, we served there for 10 years. I was bivocational the entire time. Uh, yeah. Several different things, running lots of different uh, uh, jobs, you know, trying to trying to do whatever we could do to make ends meet. And, and, and honestly, the hand of God was through all of it. We were blessed substantially throughout. You know, checks would just show up. You hear those stories. Checks would just show up. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I had no idea this was coming. And if people gave. And so, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and then by the time we left... Like we were making a thousand dollars a month in youth ministry, and it was yo. That's you were you were right, really. I, mean, I was like, it. I thought I was living large before, and now I'm actually getting paid for this. What uh, what were some of those odd jobs that kept you occupied while you were? What what did your week look like? You know, let's let's just paint that bivocational picture. You do an my, average week of youth ministry. My, what does that look like? My lead pastor was bivocational as well, and so we had an understanding of the need to work uh, as a side hustle to our our calling to ministry, and so he got it right away. And he he was doing construction stuff, and he's like, "Hey, you should come just do some construction with me." And I said, "Yeah, absolutely, let's do this." I think I worked two days, and then thought, "This is not the life for me. I have zero. I had. It's weird how God uses things. I had zero. I had I had ADHD. I I painted my boots like the first day white, like because why not? Like I don't know. I was a twenty one year old delightful punk kid, and so I started with him, and then realized this is not the life for me." Sure. Uh, hardware, store, hardware store in town was was hiring, and I knew zero about plumbing and electrical and yard work, and I knew nothing. But I had a friendly smile, and they were like, "Yeah, absolutely, we'll hire you." So I worked there for several years. Um, but even during that time, I was volunteering or working, I guess, at the bowling alley. Um, we jumped in with a speech team in high school because that was who I was in high school, and so I was like, "This is a great open door." Man, we did, we did, uh, we cleaned the church. We actually got paid more for cleaning the church than <laughs> I did for, for leading the youth ministry. That's uh, what I'm talking about. So that was, that was great. I hated it because I'm not a cleaning person. And it was like, it would be Saturday night at like midnight. And I was like, oh, shoot, Amy, we got to go clean the church. Um, and so we, we did that kind of thing. Uh, I started doing some uh, video uh, editing of, of weddings and, and tried to start a business through that. In my tenure, I, I I was a bus driver. I was a substitute teacher. I helped farmers. I uh, I ended up going back to work for my lead pastor as doing construction, roofing, and siding, and decking. And and now I've I love construction things. Um, it was just weird how that worked. I worked at the newspaper for several years as graphic designer. Uh, wow. Yeah, there was there was a lot. Not all of that was all at the same time, but there right, was sure. there were several. We we sat down to to do our taxes like the first year, and there was like <laughs> between, the two, between the two of us, there was like eight or ten W nines that we had to to fill out. I was like, this is obnoxious. So man, um, 
Yeah, but God provided, God provided, God provided, and not just like checks, but like work right. all for that. Like, right. And the benefit with when I started at the hardware store, I met everybody in the community because absolutely everybody went to the hardware store, and and I'll say this on the podcast, and he, they ain't gonna listen. Uh, my boss was not the greatest of bosses. Uh, and people, people would see my vehicle outside and then they'd come in. But if my vehicle wasn't parked there, they wouldn't stop because huh. I gave it customer service. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to love people and love life. And I was young and energetic and I might not know anything about, you know, your plumbing needs, but I learned. And so it was a great opportunity to get into the community almost instantly because, you know, you're this young energetic guy and you're giving excellent customer service and people are like, I don't know who this is, but man, this, this is a, this is a great avenue to, to connect with people. Yeah, absolutely. And I love hearing that story because, again, I'm sure that if someone's tuning in, they're bivocational, they're feeling a lot of that. You know what I'm saying? They're feeling a lot of that. Yeah, I, I don't know what I'm doing today, but I'm doing something, you know, just trying to make everything work out. And uh, and I really love uh, just hearing it. And obviously, we're going to get into this as we continue talking. But but even just hearing that, like, the Lord provides through seasons like that, whether it's it's money, whether it's work. Um, I just think it's it's funny because, as we know, like, some people might look at the word bivocation and say, well, that's, you know, that's not even possible and say, well, actually, not only is it possible, God God can bless it and God can work through it. And so, man, um, let's talk first about maybe uh, some challenges, right? Because obviously, again, uh, being paid full time to do something versus having to kind of fit it into your life in different ways, uh, it's it's unique and it's a challenge. And so maybe describe one or two of those challenges that you faced being bivocational and doing uh- ministry, you know? Absolutely. Just some like practical things. Like I only got like a week of vacation and I was using that vacation to go on speech trips and then I had nothing left for my family. And so just that balance that you have to learn and figure out between like, you can't do everything. Like I was trying to be a 40 hour a week youth pastor on Mm. literally zero hours of dedicated other than like evenings or whatever. And sometimes we feel that way. I felt that way. Like, man, I can't, I can't take students to camp this year because it's either I go to camp or I don't have an income. Interestingly enough. So 10 years, interestingly enough, the first time I went to camp where I didn't have to like either take a pay cut or take vacation time was the first one I ever spoke at. (laughs) And it was was after a It was after I came to training and I love telling that story, especially at camps, because there's a ton of people that are sacrificing to be at those camps or those events or activities that some people just don't understand. And I can tell that story and they're like, oh, you, you know exactly what I'm going through. And and it's true. And so I think that sacrifice element, like you, you have to pick and choose, like, you know, am I sacrificing my family or am I sacrificing in my ministry or, or what does that look like? And I think that's a, it's a big struggle and a lot of tension that you have to manage and walk through to say, man, I, I can't be, I can't be a 40 hour a week pastor on 20 hours. Like it's just not possible. And I think, I think I was blessed in the circumstance with a, my, my lead pastor, like I mentioned was bivocational. You get into a situation where the lead pastor sometimes isn't bivocational and then they expect 40 hours a week, but they're only paying you for 20. And like, right. it just needs to be so difficult because they don't necessarily understand those sacrifices. So I was hugely blessed to be in a church where they were like, okay, yeah, let's do this. We, we ended up moving to the neighboring community where we planted the church. Uh, we moved to the church from Osnabrück to Langdon. Um, and I remember we built the building and I said to one of my board members, I said, so now that we have a building, am I going to be required to spend time in my office? And he looked at me in all seriousness. He said, you spend as little or as much time as you need to in that building. Mm. And I was like, man, this is such a That's relief. huge. Um, other challenges. Is that what you said? 
Yeah, challenges. Yeah. Just kind of yeah, walking through that. For us, you know, we were in Podunk, North Dakota. For me, like not not for my wife. This was not her decision. I mean, she obviously was okay with it, but it wasn't like sure. let's go. She wasn't like chomping at the bit to get into rural North Dakota. She came from a city area, and so her sacrifice was greater than mine because we were there for my calling. And then, and then those are some challenges that, that you have to recognize and realize like, okay, like I got to go and do all the fun stuff. Like I went on the mission trip to Spain or I went to youth convention while she's at home being the breadwinner. And there's some challenges that are faced struggles that are, that are there that, that maybe you don't recognize if you're not in that position or maybe, you know, just as an outsider, like, oh, I guess I didn't quite realize that there would necessarily be that kind of tension and and maybe not everybody's going to feel that way but that was our our specific setting and situation um and then of course there's always the financial challenges like it's tough i mean i'm 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 (laughs) you know we'd roll into the school parking lot and students would show up on snowmobiles worth more than my car (laughs) and i i love anytime i even smell a snowmobile i'm like oh i love because we grew up on them as a kid yeah those are those are things and and even full-time pastors have to make sacrifices sometimes for the the toys that they get to play with or enjoy sure but that was kind of a struggle i was like oh yeah these kids are rolling in on 10 or twelve thousand dollars snowmobiles and i'd never even owned a vehicle when you recognize that like a 15 year old's in a higher tax bracket than you and you're like yeah that's yeah man it just it just hits hard right it just hits my dad i think our first year i told him what we made and he laughed and goes i i paid more in on that in taxes and i was like thanks for that dad i appreciate that He's not even attempting to be encouraging. He's no, just like, no, no you no, guys no. are poor, poor. You know, he's just, just... You, you getting that cheese? Is that government kicking in? Like, we were never at that point, though. Oh, uh, my gosh. Still, though, yeah. that's so funny. It's just like, man. Yeah, no, yeah. what a list of challenges. And I do agree that, like, part of part of what's cool about giving voice to this kind of conversation is that, man, I'm sure, you know, even, even now, I've actually recently kind of shifted more towards bivocational. I would call it, like, bivocational light in a sense where, like, yes, I'm still got this mix of things, but, but even as you talked, like I, I sympathized and I felt maybe just a little more, a little less alone, you know, I guess in terms of like, oh yeah, no, that's, I see that, you know, I feel that. And like, that's cool that other people also, also feel that, you know, on the, on the ministry side of things, like I, I quickly got into this space where it was like, well, I'm not as good as so-and-so. Sure. So-and-so was 40 hours a week, big church, all the resources available, like their monthly budget was, I, let's be honest, I didn't have a youth ministry budget. If we, yeah, man. we provided it uh, at the beginning. Um, and that was just circumstances and situations. And I understand that. Like, I'm not upset that the church couldn't give me money every month to run a youth ministry. Like, I get sure. it. That. I knew what I was walking into. Um, and that even there, God provided. But I got into this headspace where I was like, well, I'm not as good as, you know, so-and-so down the street because I... I can't, I, and I would compare myself and I really got into this trap of comparison. And I think that's a struggle that we all do, all do sure, yeah. church or bigger church or biggest church. Like we, we get into that. We let, we're on social media and then we just feel terrible about ourselves because our church doesn't look as good or our numbers aren't as good. And it's a terrible place to be. And it, it comparison will kill your calling. You sit there and you look at things and you're like, well, I'm not good as, and I, I, I was lamenting, to a, a very good uh, friend of pastor, a friend of mine, mentor of mine. Um, and I was, I was kind of saying this and he, and I said, man, I forget that he works 40 hours a week at a church. And he goes, no, you forget you don't work 40 hours a week at a church. Like, oh, wow. I was like, okay, that was really, really encouraging to hear and kind of challenged me a little bit like, oh, that's right. I'm never going to be at that level. And that's, 
that's okay. Yeah, right. That's like you just come to grips with that is huge. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, I, this is where God called me. And these are the resources I've been given. And I'm going to make the best of every opportunity that I yeah, can. And then leave the rest up to the Lord, right? Like, that's the point. Absolutely. Like, you can't. Absolutely. Mm. I think that's the other so side cool. is like, even in rural ministry, like finding people to assist you. Yeah. Like, I'm not musically inclined. I can't clap my hands to a beat. And then, like, I want worship in my youth service. What's this going to look like? How's this going to work? Right. And those are some challenges that you're just faced with. Um, like, how do I get volunteers if there's nobody to volunteer? Like, thankfully, yeah. I, had, I had a consistent list of people uh, that were that were available. Um, you know, I was there for 10 years, and I had one youth leader that was there the entire time. Like, the entire time. Um, and I gave opportunities every year. We'd sit down in our fall meeting, and I'm like, listen, if anybody wants off, this is your chance. There's no hard feelings. Like, if you want to stick around, that's fine. I'm, that'd be great if you did, but I don't want you to ever feel like you have to stick around. Uh, and so finding those key resources is a challenge as well. Yeah, and I think that might actually lead into my next question is, uh, you know, I know that somebody might be listening and say, hey, I'm I'm kind of in that bivocational water, and I'm drowning a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm struggling. And so over time, you got to develop strategies, whether it's time management, whether it's whatever, you know, or, or you maybe you found a resource or a way, a way to make it work and make it work well. And so maybe name off one or two of those strategies or resources you came across. Sure. I was never, I've never been a resource guy. Like sure. the, the, the AG puts out phenomenal resources for us. If I don't do it myself, it, it doesn't come out well because I, I'm, I'm not diligent enough to study somebody sure. else's stuff, but if I'm making it myself, then I, and, and, and um, it came down to when I was a student in college, we took a youth class, Dan Kino taught a youth class where you had to do a six month planner. Oh, and really? And out the entire six months of ministry. And I was like, this is the dumbest assignment ever. This is just busy work. This is terrible. And then I got into youth ministry. And I was bivocational. And there were days where I would, I'll be honest, I'd come home. It's 4, 4, 35, 30 at night on a Wednesday. And I'm like, I have a service tonight. I got to figure something out. I'll tell you a quick story with that. I come home one night after working at the hardware store. It was 530. And I was like, oh, I got youth tonight. I got to preach something. And so I went on the internet and found a sermon and thought, this looks good. Pushed print. I don't even know if I read the whole thing. I'll be honest. I don't even know if I read the whole I pushed print. Uh, we walked over, we had youth, I quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, you can't see it, uh, sure. pre preached this message, uh, got done. I was like, oh, that wasn't bad. We're walking back to the house and my wife, Amy, looks at me and stops me and she goes, if you're going to keep preaching like that, we should just quit now. <laughs> and I have never, I, I swear, 10 years, I've been in ministry for 18 years now, 19 years. I promise you, I've never printed a message off. That's so good. Because it was so uh, bad. The and fear like, of the Lord. Right, right. Like, some people don't ask their spouses for their opinion because they're like, they're not going to tell me the truth. And I don't. Oh, yeah. No, you're not afraid of that. Cool. Um, and so like those types of things, like just developing your own processes, figuring it out. So anyway, this six-month planner thing, I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. And then I got into youth ministry and realized this is the smartest thing in the world. So right. I am not, I, I, I was not, I should say that I was not the most organized person. I was not the most task driven person. I was not all these things, but I realized if I want to be a successful youth minister, I have to put the time and energy in ahead of time. So we would sit down in August, we would pull all of the school calendars. We would pull all the holiday calendars. We would pull all of the community activity calendars, and then we would plot out the entire school year. 
Now, I wouldn't write every message in that time, but I was a series guy. So I knew that in January, we know that in Northeast North Dakota, it's cold and it's bitter and nobody wants to be anywhere because, and so I wouldn't do anything heavy in that time. I'd look at the seas, literal seasons, but also the, the seasons of life and ministry. So we always did God at the movies during that month because it was lighthearted and it was a little more fun and a little more engaging. Um, but we would, so I would figure out every month what the sermon series was, you know, February, it's relationship because so cliche, but that's what you would do. And then like, we would just focus on different things each month. And then we would look at the calendar and say, okay, we're going to put an event on this weekend, this weekend, this weekend, this weekend, because it, it helped me be more organized for what I was doing, where I was going. And then also like it's been said, I, I didn't come up with this at all. You know, if, if I want students to get from point A to point B, the best way to get them there is to have a plan and not yeah. just hope that it happens like, oh, well, we might get there. Like, no, 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 let's, let's dedicate a plan. And then I was super organized. And then I knew as soon as I was done preaching on Wednesday night, I knew what I was preaching the next Wednesday and could start planning and processing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, be honest, there were times that I would call some of my full-time friends and be like, Hey, what are you preaching on this week? And they're like, ah, it'd be Tuesday. They're like, what are you preaching on this week? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know yet. And I'm like, I don't have the luxury to not know because I don't have the time right. to not well, and, and so honestly, like, what a skill set for that to develop, because in, in one sense, uh, you know, and I, I, I was telling this to somebody the other day, you know, I have two little kids, and they're age four and age one. And I said, uh, you know, if this is how much I can get done with two small children, like crawling over my laptop, then like, there's nothing I can do. And I'm sure as a bivocational well, pastor, you eventually, you kind of feel like you have a neat, unique set of superpowers, because you're like, well, you guys take three days to make a message? Like, shh. Knock right. that out in an hour, you know, just because right. you have to, because you have I still, to. I still feel bad because I'm like, I can write a sermon that's theologically correct and good in like 30 minutes. Because like, that's because that's that was the process I had to do. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember when I when I went from being full time at the newspaper to uh, the construction job, and I took Wednesdays off. I remember my first Wednesday off, thinking, "What do I do with all my time?" <laughs> But those those systems in place, I, I, I get yeah. annoyed. It's time for a rant. When youth pastors are like, oh, I can lose a receipt because I'm just a youth pastor. Or I don't have to be. Sure, stop. yeah. Just stop it. Like, no. Like, that's dumb. Don't do that. Be responsible. Grow up. Like, I just. I yeah, don't. no, that's fair. And honestly, like, just, I, I just do think that's it. a like, huge, huge win. Administrative systems, like, they can be hard to start. They can be hard to work through. And yet, this is the bread and butter. Like, I. I I feel like so many people are like, oh, no, that sounds dumb or that sounds not spiritual. It's like, no, no, no. Like, this is this is how you make life work. You know what I'm saying? 100%. That's yeah. awesome. Well, hey, uh, I want to maybe uh, move forward to uh, let's talk about blessings, right? Because obviously, as many as there are challenges, like, and you even mentioned it right there, like, bivocation, being bivocational has changed and shifted your outlook on life and ministry, on how you spend time. And what's one of the greatest blessings you discover in your life through being bivocational? I think community, like I've always been kind of community minded. Like when I left Bowman in high school, like I remember crying because I was like, I'm never going to be able to be with these people again. And then I got to Ellendale. You were, you were that high school senior. I was, that guy. I was that guy. And then I got to Ellendale and I was having to leave Ellendale and the community that I had developed here. And oh, I was like, man. I'm never going to be with these people again. And so like community's always been big. Sure. Like, just how many people want to support you if you're, if, if you're doing what you, you know to be doing is true. You know, it was, it was a rural community. And so like at, when we started, we were, I think there was maybe one other youth ministry that was kind of doing stuff. 
and the community really came around us and blessed us. Like I had, I had people from other churches that were encouraging and supportive. I mean, we, we ended up with a youth building and a guy, I don't know if I'd ever even really had a conversation with. I preached in his church a few times, wrote us a fat check. And I was like, are you, I don't, I don't even know what to do with this. And so I think the big, a big blessing is the community support, the people that you invest in, and then they turn around and invest back in you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's universal, big church, little church, sure, big sure. community. community. <clears throat> but that was, that was something that was really, really beneficial to us so much that when I left Langdon, I wrote personal thank yous to certain people in the community, whether they were at our church or had never been in our church, but they meant something to me. Um, Cause that was a blessing in my life. These people that like supported and encouraged and, and I wanted to make sure that they knew that that was a big deal to us. Um, and those are really some of the blessings. I mean, we adopted our kid through, through the community. We, we, we did fundraisers and people came out of the woodwork to help support. Um, like we were pushing the stroller after we, after we got him back to, from, from, from Atlanta, we were pushing the stroller down the street one day and some guy, I don't know if I knew who this guy was. He's like, Hey, I helped with that adoption. I bought some of your jam you were selling. And I was like, this, you don't, you don't get that. You don't necessarily get that everywhere. And so that was, right. that was a huge, that was a huge deal. You know, just the people that would invest in our lives. I remember one of the early ones, uh, just little things, you know, I wanted to be at every sporting event, but I didn't have the money to go to every sporting event. And somebody bought me a season pass, a season pass. So I could go to all the sporting events and like, it was it part of my job. Sure. But I love students and I want to invest in where they're at. And so like, that was just a huge blessing in the, the little things. Like there were, I mean, there was, I could probably look back at a, a hundred million little. Sure. Little, sure. Uh, well, but, but I think, but I think you raise a good point. Cause again, we could tell every pastor, Hey, you should be involved in your community. The difference and the blessing of being a bivocational pastor two-sided coin but but you don't have a choice like you know what i'm saying like you you have to live and you have to work and you have to rely on and you have to be involved because because again there there is no option of hey i'm gonna go sit in my office for 40 hours and there's there's just no option and so and there's in in my context there was no need i don't know what i've done in my office for 40 hours i still i still am not convinced like i i have people who told me like i remember as an intern at my church which was in billings montana and uh and we had office hours and i remember spending like five hours one day making a poster because that's all i had to do that day and then i like moved to a place where i didn't have to hold office hours and i've been doing youth ministry in rural context and it takes me like 20 minutes to make a poster and i'm like you know why because i don't need to waste five hours sitting here like it's just not doesn't need to happen right but uh hey last thing last thing um can you offer any final words of encouragement? Let's say someone's tuning in who says, yeah, I, I am that person who might be drowning or man, some of the stuff you say is starting to turn that light bulb on, but maybe they're starting to feel refreshed. But can you offer any final kind of encouragement to a pastor or leader who's bivocational who's tuning in today? Yeah, absolutely. Like I had kind of mentioned, I got into that comparison game. Man, you are no less called. You are no less called than the person in the big city or the big church or the big name evangelist. Like, you're no less called. And I think it's important that we recognize that your calling is just as important to God as so-and-so down the street who's in a mega church or down the country, I guess, maybe not down the street. Uh, but I, I think that's important to recognize that like that calling on your life is no less important. And we can't, we can't, we can't hold it to a standard by earthly terms or worldly terms and be like, oh, I'm not as I'm not, I'll tell you a quick story. My mom, she's probably gonna listen to this and then hate me. Uh, she, at one point in time, asked me like, do you feel like you're wasting your talent because you're in a small community? Cause I, I, 
I mean, I'm a pretty talented guy. Like between, <laughs> between graphics and design, sure, and, like, sure, sure. I feel like as I your friend, like I, I feel it would be remiss if I didn't testify that yeah, you're a pretty talented guy. Fine. <laughs> no, it's not, Garrett's not just blowing smoke. Uh, and she asked me. She said, "Hey, do you feel like you're wasting your time at, in this small town?" And then I let that feed. And I thought, mm -hmm. you know, maybe, maybe I am. I am better sure. than this small community. I am better. Same pastor that I talked about earlier uh, looked at me and said. Yeah, because God only calls the talented to big cities. And I was just uh, like, I was done. I was one like, line. Just one line and he wrecks your whole system. He's pierced, just pierced right to my heart, but was exactly what I needed. Like you are, you are, you are called by God and you are no better than the community you're in. Um, and, and I just man, be encouraged. We see you. Like sometimes we feel like you know, only big churches matter like no way man like the the students that i was able to connect with and interact with and and disciple like who else would have done it like who else yeah. would have those lives matter uh it, to the same as the city lives matter like and, and we got to just make sure that like yes it's their struggles and there are struggles that other people will never understand that are in different contexts find people Man, that guy that I just mentioned, like he was such a valid reason. And he was in a bigger church and bigger. I use air quotes again because a bigger church. Sure. Um, but man, find those people that are going to encourage you and support you. Man, it, my number is 701-305-0512. If you need some support, like let me call you and, and I'll pray for you and encourage you. And like I still I'm, I'm in Ellendale, North Dakota, so I'm still rural. I'm not, tep, uh, you know, pastoring a church like traditionally. But man, I still care and, and we still support and still push like rural ministry. I, I'm leading a go trip. So I work at Trinity, real quick plug. I work at Trinity every spring semester, spring semester we shut this, the campus down and we go on a go trip. I'm leading one to Bourbon, Missouri. Have you ever heard of Bourbon, Missouri? Uh, no. Nope. No one, have. no one. 1,600 people because rural matters. Like I have nice. the globe at my fingertips on a go trip. And we're doing Bourbon, Missouri this year because rural matters and because I still believe in rural ministries and rural pastors. And if you're not out there doing it, I mean, who is? So be encouraged if you're listening to this and you're in a spot where you're like, oh, man, is this for me? Yes, absolutely it is. Be encouraged. Find people that can breathe into you and can encourage you and, and support you and come alongside you and, and even challenge you in ways that you need to be challenged um, and know that what you do matters. And sometimes it takes years Sometimes it takes years and sometimes you get, you get blessed and it takes less years. <laughs> that thing? Yeah, that's that? fair. That's it's, fair. It's sure, probably take at least a year. But sometimes, <laughs> I mean, it, what you do matters and, and realize that when you buy into the community and get engaged in the process, like all of that matters. Uh, when we left Langdon, we had people come out of the woodwork to tell us how much they were going to miss us. And I had no idea. Oh, wow. It wasn't because, you know, Garrett's super awesome. He is. But it, that wasn't, it was like, because we cared and we loved our community and we, we invested, whether people, whether you recognize it or not, there are people that you are impacting just sure. by watching your life. And so man. be encouraged, be, be strengthened, man. Take some time to breathe. Don't feel guilty for not being able to do all the things uh, that, that a full-time, you know, person can do. So um, absolutely well hey thanks garrett i appreciate you being on the podcast today man absolutely my pleasure man awesome well hey to all our listeners uh we are excited in the weeks to come to continue having a conversation uh with people who are working in two worlds who are bivocational who are trying to make ministry work on less time and less money than uh, they may have otherwise and we're excited to hear those insights i feel like this is a great one to kick it off and we hope that you feel encouraged and we will see you next week mm -hmm.